This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Emerging Daily Podcast. I am Scott Fisher. And in this installment, I want to speak a little bit about being offended and being hurt. The word in the Greek is skandalizo. It has to do more, there's not really a word in the English that, that it really uh, explains or can be translated perfectly to um, relate the meaning of the word, but it has to do more with being entrapped or being scandalized, I guess is the closest word in the English to it, but it has to do more with being entrapped. And Jesus spoke about being offended many times. Um, When John the Baptist was put in jail, he sent some of his disciples, some of the people that were learning, some of his students, some of the people that he was teaching and that were uh, ministering alongside of him. He sent some of them over to where Jesus was and asked him, said, you know, are you the one that was prophesied would come? And I don't want to get into all the theology surrounding all of that right now, what that meant. But Jesus answered them and he said, you know, those that are blind are seen, those that are lame are beginning to walk. You know, I'm doing these things. But then he said this, he said, Blessed is he who is not offended in me. And it wasn't so much that he was talking about himself as a person, but in that seed of God. The, the, the seed of God. Happy is he that's not offended in that seed. When Jesus gave the parable, what's called the parable of the sower, he spoke about how that some seed do begin to grow, but then when, when hard times come, when there when persecution and, and troubles come, they're offended. And so they don't grow. They don't continue to grow. What is it to be offended? It's not just talking about getting your feelings hurt. It's not just talking about getting pissed off. It includes that, though. And that's, that's why it's hard to really put it all into one little word in English. Because it can be pissed off by somebody. It can mean somebody hurting your feelings. It can mean even being hurt physically. It's whatever happens, how you respond to it. Do you allow it to entrap you? Do you allow it to cause you to stumble? Do you allow it to 
stop you from growing spiritually. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Joseph, but Jacob had 11 sons at that time. Joseph was the youngest. And Joseph was the only son by Rachel, who was really the one that Joseph, that, uh, that Jacob loved. The other sons were born either by Leah or uh, her or Rachel's concubines. And that's a whole nother story. But anyway, Rachel was the one that Jacob loved. It was the one, she was the one that that Jacob had fallen in love with and had wanted to marry. And so when she, and, and for the longest, she wasn't able to have any, a, a child. No matter how hard they tried, she just couldn't get pregnant. And finally she did, had Joseph. And so Joseph was, Jacob's favorite, I think it's just how it was. He was the baby and also she was. He was the one that uh, was born by Rachel. And so Jacob showed him favor. And the other brothers grew jealous. Well, in that sense, they were offended. But, and so, and see, you have to look at these things spiritually. Because all, this is a story from what uh, Christians refer to as the Old Testament. It's from book of Genesis in the Torah and we have to not look at these as historical events but look at them as stories of how we grow spiritually look at it find yourself in that you know the brothers were jealous, and so they fell into that scandal. The scandal of the enemy. Well, who's the enemy? Is it some unseen force out there in the world that people call the devil or Satan? Well, the word is actually Satan, and it speaks of that which is in us that does tempt us, but it's there for the purpose of giving us giving us something to wrestle with, something to fight with, to cause us to grow. Uh, the best way I know to explain that is to take a, uh, someone who's training to be a boxer and they'll put him in the ring with someone else to box with to train, to grow, to strengthen him, to, to, to help him to be better at his sport. And that's what, that's what this thing in us is. It's that thing that helps us to grow. And we see it as, as an enemy. We see it as, um, well, we're being taught 
in religion to see it as some outside thing that uh, has horns and a tail, is usually invisible but can appear, and you know, then there's demons that are, look like all kinds of things. But these are inward things. It's th these are things that are taking place within us. And so, getting back to the story, the brothers were scandalized. They were offended because of Joseph. Because of his uh, blessing that he was under. Not the father. Now, you have to realize, Jacob loved the other sons too. Just in different ways. And we could take this even to, even to the point of looking at it even on an individual basis. There are parts of our lives that God is blessing, Spirit is blessing, and the other parts of our lives get jealous. And parts of our parts of ourselves get jealous because of that part, because of that, that aspect of our life. And it, it and so what happens, those parts of our lives begin to fight or push back against that one part that God is really wanting to bless and bring forth. See, you look at it, there's so many levels. It's like an onion. There are so many levels to understanding these things. So the brothers ended up, they pushed him into a pit, and they were going to kill him. And then one of the brothers finally said, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him as a slave. So he was sold into, into slavery. He ended up in Egypt. He ended up in, in uh, what is called the Potiphar's house, who was like a governor under Pharaoh. And he ended up in this guy's house. And eventually um, was more or less like the ruler of the house. He, he handled all the things for the household. Well, the governor's wife liked him and tried to seduce him. And because he didn't succumb to her seduction, she was offended and pushed back against him in such a way as to falsely accuse him, and he ended up in jail. And so, eventually, Pharaoh had a dream, and Joseph had a uh, gift for interpreting dreams. He had done so while in jail for others, and, and soon word, when no one else could interpret Pharaoh's dream, eventually the word came to him that, well, there's this guy in, in the prison who can interpret it. So Joseph did interpret it. And because of that, Pharaoh made him second in command of all of Egypt. Now, Joseph could have become offended by his brothers when that happened with his brothers. He could have sulked and just, instead of allowing it to make him better, he could have allowed it to make him bitter. He could have just sulked and, and, and said, oh, why is all this happening to me? And sat in there while he was uh, sold in slavery, just you know, constantly just focused in on himself 
like a black hole and just kept drawing darkness into himself. Instead of allowing it to make him a better person. If he had been sulking, if he had grown bitter, if he had succumbed to being offended, he would never have been the chief of the governor's house. But because he tried to see how this could make him a better person, a better man. He grew from that situation. He grew. And that's why the Potiphar made him the chief of his house. He saw that this guy was becoming wise. He saw that this guy was blessed. He saw that there was something about him that would not have been there had he been offended when he was put in prison the same thing he could have laid in, laid in there and just cried cried the whole time he was in there about how why is this happening to me why is this happening to me and let me just say this if you're really trying to find out why something is happening that's okay. Because I, I, I believe that God, I believe the Spirit wants us to understand what's going on, why things are happening. And it's always not evident. It's always not clear why something's happening. And we may not ever know until, you know, we leave this body. But I think that it's possible sometimes for us to know. And it's, it's good to try to find out why but not from the perspective of feeling sorry for ourselves or crying about it. And it's obvious that Joseph continued to become mature. He didn't fall into that trap. He was not ensnared. He was not scandalized. He was not offended. And I know some of you listening, you may have grown up in church and you may have been hurt by some in the church. You may have been hurt by a pastor. You may have been hurt by a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or uh, just some random person in the church could have said or done something that just really hurt you. And I'm going to tell you, all of us experience those things at one time or another. Not necessarily always in church, but in, throughout our lives. But if this has happened to you, I want to tell you, God loves you. Spirit loves you. And there's that in you that is God that is trying to draw you closer to it. And the pur purpose for our hurts and everything in our life, everything that you go through in life, is for the primary purpose of allowing that seed within us to grow. Everything, everything in our life, whether it's good or whether it's bad, and, 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 and I'm sorry to say I was involved in a move years ago that denied that good, I mean, that, that good could come out of the bad, or what they, what they said was, well, God can take the bad and make it good. No. 
Even the bad has a purpose to bring forth good. And that doesn't sound exactly good to our ears many times because we don't want to go through suffering times, trying times. We don't want to go through hardships. We don't want to go through anything like that. But they're all necessary. The good times and the bad times have purpose. Now, the thing is, do we allow those bad times to scandalize us? Do we allow them to entrap us? Do we allow them to stop us from growing? That, that's where the rubber meets the road. Do we allow it to cause us to become better or better? Do we allow it to help form and shape us more and more into the image of God? Because that's the purpose of it. That's the purpose of it all. The good and the bad. And so Jesus, getting back to him answering John the Baptist, said, happy as he's not offended in me. John the Baptist was there in a prison and he was wanting to know why is this, what's going on? You know, I thought I was following the path. What's happening? Why am I here? And it was, are you going to be bitter from this? Or are you going to stay true and hold fast and become more, even more like like God? Now, you say, well, yeah, but he ended up getting his head cut off. Well, <laughs> yeah, he did. If Jesus died on the cross, and, uh, you know, sometimes things just don't always work out like we think they should. But because Jesus held true, he eventually conquered even death, rose from that. And I believe we can rise from our situations. We can come forth as gold. But are you going to allow, you know, I know the church has really hurt, the religious system has really hurt uh, those that were in that system who were experiencing uh, trying to deal with being gay or bi or lesbian or trans or, or whatever and I know that I know that many were hurt in that but do not allow that to cause you to be bitter and I know there's many in that community many in the homosexual community who are bitter there are people who are who find themselves uh, in less unfortunate circumstances. Uh, people who are referred to as poor. And many times the religious system has hurt them in some ways because maybe it made them feel like they were not blessed or, or you know, there are, there's a, there are teachings that can uh, make you feel as though you're just totally no good if you're not rich. There's people that uh, that may have gone through a time of rebellion or not even necessarily flat out rebellion, but they just did something that was a mistake and they realized it was a mistake and they tried to, to get up and go on and people in the religious system held their foot on your shoulder or on your back and said, no, 
you just you screwed up, you're no good, and, and we just don't want to have anything else to do with you. You're never going to be any good, and you've allowed that to, to hurt you. And it did hurt you. I'm sure it did. I've experienced things like that too. But can, do you allow it to make you better or make you bitter? Will you realize that everything in life, everything, the good and the bad, is there to help bring forth that seed, that spark of God, the Christ in us, that Buddha nature, the anointing of God within, that which is God, to allow it to, to come forth evermore, evermore. You know, when a seed is in the ground, as it begins to grow, there is pressure on it. And that pressure strengthens that sapling, that, that, that which is trying to grow out of that seed. And the ground eventually breaks as that sapling begins to come forth. But there are times that are hard on us. There are times of pressure. There are times when it seems like all hell has come against us. And it is. But it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. And we can fall into that scandal of it stopping us or realize that the Satan there is only there to help strengthen us, to, to help us to grow. You know, Paul says in Galatians that there was a time when we were under uh, tutors and, and, and things. He's referring to, in that instance, the law. But eventually you grow to where you are, even though, he says, even though you are the, the son of the owner of the house that those who are the servants in the house have control over you in a, to an extent because you are a child. You're just a child. And so they can tell you when to come and when to go. Because the owner of the house has given them that control giving them that responsibility, really, over you. Now listen, this is important. The owner of the house has given these servants a responsibility over you. Now we, it's hard for us to think about this because most of us didn't grow up in a house that had servants, okay? But just think of it like the babysitter. The babysitter is nothing most of the time, it's not even a member of the house. Usually, it's somebody from outside. But they come into the house. And they have control. Because the owner of the house has said, okay, look, I want you to have control over my child. And instruct my child. Same as if a uh, private tutor was hired. Same difference. School teacher, same difference. Now realize this, Satan is not a member of the house. And this may, this will go, and I know it will, it will go against some of your, what you've been taught, 
will go against your traditions. But Jesus said that the traditions of man have made the word of no effect. So listen to what I'm saying. The house is God's. Your body, your life is God's. Paul said, know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a temple. Your body, your life is that. But God has allowed and even put there this that we call the enemy. But really, it's Satan. It's this it's this tutor. It's this outside force that's been placed in our life to help instruct us, to help strengthen us. Hey, I hope you're being blessed by our podcast today. We wanted to pause for just a second and remind you to please, when you get a chance, check out our website, EmergeNashville.org, or you can also go to EmergingDaily.com whichever one is easier for you to remember. Uh, but please check those out and read up on uh, our, our vision, our mission, um, and how we're wanting to make an impact on our region and on the world. Um, pl- pray about possibly being involved with what we're wanting to do. Um, we're wanting to pretty soon start, within the next few weeks hopefully, start having some uh, Worship and teaching times. We'd like to do that in Lebanon and in Nashville. We're still looking for some worship leaders and musicians. So pray about all that and also pray about supporting this podcast if you would. And thank you again for listening. And we'll get back to our message here in just a second. And this may, this will go, and I know it will. It'll go against some of your what you've been taught. Will go against your traditions. But Jesus said that the traditions of man have made the word of no effect. So listen to what I'm saying. The house is God's. Your body, your life, is God's. Paul said, "Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? It's a temple. Your body, your life, is that." But God has allowed and even put there this that we call the enemy. But really, it's Satan. It's this, it, it's this tutor. It's this outside force that's been placed in our life to help instruct us, to help strengthen us. And, and I know this is really going against some of your thinking. And it's hard to understand what I'm saying. Am I saying that that Satan is uh, here to teach us? Well, yeah, I am saying that. And that's hard to understand. But Paul, again, he said, we were under these things. We were under this reason. As we grow, as we mature, as we learn, as we become more and more like God, as we behold as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We are being changed into that same image. And I'll come back to that. And so there's this within us, and it's not just in us, like inside of us, but it's in our lives, in our world. You know, your life, you have your own little world. The word world there simply means an orderly arrangement of your life. The cos the cosm of your the 
of your of your lives. And your world is not exactly my world. But spirit has allowed this thing to be in your world, in your life, in you, in your mind. It speaks to you. And it can it can cause us to be offended. It can cause us to fall into a scandal. It can cause us to not be what God wants us to be. But if we wrestle with that thing, as, Joe, as, as Jacob did, wrestle with it and realize it's me. You know, some people say, Jacob wrestled with God. No, Jacob wasn't wrestling with God. Jacob was wrestling with himself. And if you're not familiar with the story, Jacob is has been told that his brother, Esau, whom he uh, really stole the birthright from. He didn't really steal it, but he sort of did because he manipulated his brother out of it. He's, he's told that his brother is coming to see him. Well, Jacob is scared. I mean, flat out scared because he's told, okay, that his brother has a great and mighty, uh, not necessarily army, but he has a, a great household. And he has a lot of servants and a lot of cattle and a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of people working with him and for him. And he's coming to see you, Jacob. Well, Jacob thinks, well, he's coming to hurt me, to get back at me. And he gets scared. And he almost wants to, to not see his brother. But he sends gifts to his brother. But he also holds back part of his family and, and things because he don't know, he doesn't know how Esau is going to come. Is he coming as a friend or foe? And so one night, Jacob is by himself. And it says that a man comes there and Jacob wrestles with him till the morning. Well, it's not God. It's not an angel. But it is himself that he's fighting. It says that the man uh, grabs it in the hollow of the thigh. That's how the King James translates it. But really, it's just he grabs it by the balls and holds on to it until he gives up. And Jacob doesn't give up until he asks this man, quote, unquote, to tell him his name. Well, he doesn't tell him his name, but he asks, turns around, asks Jacob what his name is. Jacob finally has to admit who he is. He finally has to admit what he is, what he is not, who he is. He says, okay, look. He comes clean. He says, I'm a, I'm a manipulator. I'm a heel grabber. You know, I'll find that which is uh, your soft spot in your life, and I'll manipulate that till I can gain control of you. Jacob finally admits that. He says, okay, I'm coming clean. That's, I'm a, that's who I am. And then this woke man 
says, no, that might be who you were, but you're not that anymore. You are now Israel. Which really means you shall rule as God. You shall rule as God. Now some people say, let's just say it's the Prince of God. But really, when you get out to it, it's he shall rule as God. And you shall rule as God. I shall rule as God. As I come clean with who I am, who I've been, what I've done. Just like Jacob, uh, just like Joseph did. He had to come clean. You know, look, he had flaunted the fact that his father had lasted and 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 had a had a soft spot in his heart for him. And he he flaunted that to his brothers. They got tired of it, threw him in the pit. You probably would too. I probably would too. And if I was doing that, <laughs> that would probably happen to me. It would probably happen to you if we were flaunting the fact that we thought we were just so much more special than somebody else. But while he was in that situation, he began to realize, I am blessed. But my father loved him too. And eventually, I didn't, let me get back to that story. I'm going on some rabbit trails here. After Joseph becomes second in command to the Pharaoh in Egypt, there's a famine. And eventually, Joseph's brothers, well, Jacob, sends Joseph's brothers to Egypt to get food. Because that's the only place there was food to, to be gotten at that time in that area of the world. They don't recognize Joseph. Joseph recognizes them. And he wants to see where their heart is. Have they changed? He's changed. He's become more mature. But have they? And so through a series of things he puts them through, eventually he realizes, yeah, they have changed. Because you see, Joseph, I mean, uh, excuse me, Jacob, their father, had another son through Rachel. Right before she died, and Joseph didn't know about this, but he finds out about it. And they don't want to do to him what they did to Joseph. They don't tell him that in words, but because Joseph understands when he talked, when they mentioned the other brother, and the circumstances that he tries to put them in to see. If their heart has changed, he finds out, yeah, it's changed because they don't want to do that. To Benjamin, who is this younger brother that Joseph don't know about, or didn't know about, <clears throat> when he finds out about it, they do not want to put, first, their father through that kind of torment again of losing a son. But they don't. They just don't want to do that to their brother. They love their brother. They've matured. They don't want to put Benjamin through what they put Joseph through. And so he reveals to them who he is. And eventually the whole family comes there. And once Jacob dies, the brothers become scared because they think, okay, our father is gone. There's nothing to stop Joseph from getting even with us for what we did to him. 
And so they come to him in humility and say, look, you know, just make us like a servant. Just have mercy on us. And he tells them, it's like, look, you, you might have meant for evil what you did to me, what you put me through. But God meant it for good. To get me here so that I could bring you here to save our family. And he loves them as brothers. And so what we need to realize, what we're going through, what, what we've been through, is all for a purpose. And it's to bring us to a place that that which is in us can be manifested. So that that which is in us can come forth. I want to read you, if I can get it up on the screen here. I want to read you a couple things and relate it to where we are. Okay, now I mentioned about Jesus teaching about the, what is called the sower, the parable of the sower. And he says the seed is the word. It's that part of us that is of God in us and it's it's in there we just have to let it grow and he says that some have no root in themselves now I'm reading from Mark chapter 4 he says some of them sometimes that seed has no root and so they endure for a time but afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they're offended or immediately they fall into the trap of not realizing that what they're going through is for the sake of the seed. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be self-righteous and say, okay, everybody's just coming against me. All this is coming against me because I'm so special and because I'm right and they're wrong. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying here, and that's not what I'm saying. It's for the Word's sake and not my sake, and it's not that I'm right and they're wrong. It's that what I'm going through whether it's persecution, whether it's uh, hum you know people humiliating me, whether it's um, people making fun of me, people hurting me even physically, or people hurting my feelings, people hurting my emotions, hurting my mind, is to realize and, and understand that it's for the purpose of helping me deal with me because even though I might be right and they might be wrong, still there's parts of me that need to die so that that seed can become begin to grow. Because see, the seed can't grow. That which is in the seed can come forth until the shell of the seed dies away and is broken and is cut open to where that which is within can come forth. And these hard times, these these trying times, the persecution, the affliction, the the people making fun, the people hurting us, it's to cause that shell within us and in our lives to to break so that the seed that which is God in us can sprout and come forth. Now that doesn't mean that it's a, that that what they're doing is justified. That doesn't mean that. What Joseph's brothers did 
was not justified. But there was a purpose behind it that they weren't even aware of at the time. Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't justify what they did. But I'm talking, I'm, I'm speaking from Joseph's perspective. He had to realize there's things in him that needed to change. And he needed to focus on allowing that seed to grow and not focus on being bitter and, and falling into a, a state of bitterness and, and rejection and just, like, like I said earlier, like a black hole and just drawing all this darkness into himself. He needed to allow that light which is in him to come forth. Now, I want to read you another. This is from 1 John chapter 3. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And such we are. I'm reading now from Rotherham's translation. Therefore, the world doesn't understand this. It understands it's not because it didn't understand him talking about Jesus. Beloved, now are we the children of God. Now, the King James says sons, but the word is really techno, and it's talking about children. We're not fully grown sons. We're not to the place. See, there's a place in sonship where you get to that's called the adoption of son or the placing of son where the father says to the son, okay, now we can work together. Now this is not just this is not just Sanford Salvage Company. This is or this is not just Mr. Sal San this is not just Mr. Sanford's salvage company. This is Sanford and Son. You're my partner. That's called the placing of sons. What King James calls adoption of son it has nothing to do, and I, that's a, another topic. But and I'll talk about it, but not right now. But the the adoption of sons has nothing to do with him taking us out of one family and placing us into another family. That's not how that means. You have to understand the where Paul's coming from uh, and, and the times that he's speaking in. It's not talking about taking somebody out of one family and putting them in another. It's talking about a placing of sons to where the father says to the son, "This is." he says to everybody, hey, this is my son. I'm pleased with him. We're partners now. Just like he said about Jesus when John had baptized him. But anyway, so this right here is that I'm reading in, in 1 John. It says, now are we the children of God. That's talking about just children. Not fully grown yet, but we're children. All of us. Every one of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care what religion you grew up in, what religion you're part of, or if you're not part of one or in one. I don't care if you're what nationality you are, what race you are, whether you're a man or a woman, or whether you do not even claim to be, whether you're non-binary as the term is now. I don't care. We're all children of God. But it hasn't yet been made manifest what we shall be. We don't know what we're going to be. Nobody else does either. We don't know. But we do know that if it says we, we do know that if it should be made manifest, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And that's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about that seed in us. 
that Christ in us, the Mashiach, the Messiah, that Buddha nature. As we begin to see it more clearly, it is more clearly seen in us. And we become like unto it. And so then in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, and the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all are shown in a mirror the glory of the Lord are transformed. We see in a mirror with, with unveiled face the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory. Now what is the glory of the Lord? The glory of the Lord is the nature and the character of God. The nature and character of God. And as we begin to see that and understand that more clearly, it is more clearly seen in us, by us and by others. But if we are falling to offense, if we fall into being offended, if we allow that whatever is going on or has gone on or will go on in our life that may hurt us, if we fall into that scandal, into that trap of allowing it to cause us to become bitter, to, be to cause us to um, fall into a poor pitiful me state, and to draw darkness into us instead of allowing the light in us to shine forth. If we we can fall into that scandal, we could be offended. But if we could realize and begin to understand how the nature and character of God is, and first of all, beyond anything else, God is love, but that God cherishes that seed within us more than anything, more than anything. He cherishes that seed, and he knows what it will take to bring that seed forth. And so we've been put under tutors and governors. We've been put under uh, these things that go on in our life. These are the tutors. These are the governors. These are the, this, even within us, that sometimes we fight against is the Satan, and it's there to cause us to strengthen us, to help us to grow. And not become bitter, but to become better. To grow beyond it. To see the nature of God more clearly. And to allow that nature to come forth. And eventually, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven as a lightning. And he has nothing in me. He got to that place where he didn't need this wrestling anymore. He didn't need this opponent anymore. He didn't need it because he was a champion. He was walking, you know, once you once you enter the ring and begin and overcome that thing, you are the champion. And you no longer need that sparring partner anymore. You're you've gotten to where you've overcome. You don't need it. He's not in him. He don't. It's no longer there. But we're not there yet. I'm not there yet. I don't think you are either. And just realize, don't don't fall into offense. Don't fall into being offended. Don't fall into that trap. If you've been hurt, 
let me tell you, I know hurt. I have been there. I have been hurt. And though I may not have intentionally done it, I've probably hurt other people. Not intentionally. And I don't think you have either. And I don't think that some of the people that hurt you did it intentionally. Because they probably had good intentions. That doesn't justify what they did. But we're not worried about them right now. We're talking about you and me. Do we allow it to cause us to fall into offense? To get bitter? To draw darkness? And not, darkness is just the absence of light. I'm not talking about drawing uh, demons from hell and uh, drawing in uh, evil forces. And I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the absence of light and, and drawing in these feelings of inferiority or feelings of bitterness or feelings of hate or rage. or I'm, That's what I'm talking about. Do we allow it to cause us to fall into that? Or will we realize, hey, yeah, whether we want to, we finally need to admit it, whether we want to or not. Yeah, there are some things in me and in my life that need to change that are not right. That doesn't justify the hurt that somebody caused me. And really, quite frankly, just because they caused me pain doesn't mean that what needs to change in me is any is even related to, to what they've, the area that they've caused me pain in. You know, just because something is coming against us or hurting us doesn't mean that we have to change in that area per se. But there are, in all of us, areas that do need to change. And allow the light and the love within us to begin to come forth because that's what's going to change us, that's what's going to change the world, and that's what's going to bring forth the kingdom of God on this earth. You know, Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, first, it's done within this earth, this earthen vessel. This is what you should pray. This is what I should pray every day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this earthen vessel, even as it is in the spirit. Let it be done in my physical life every day. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com, and please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org, or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.